The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from powerful women leaders who will share their playbooks on how to manage smarter, be more successful, and change your game. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in exactly the right place. Stick around with us for the next hour here on Game Changing Women Radio, and you're going to learn a lot. Our topic today, bosses. Oh, my goodness. Are you wincing? Are you a boss? Have you had a boss? Have you had a ton of bosses? Experiences are probably coming out of your pores. Raising your hands out there. I want to tell you about my boss. I want to tell you what it's like to be my boss. Well, let's get started. We have a lot to talk about. You probably have a boss story you want to tell. Is it a good one? Is it a bad one? Is it an ugly one? We don't know, but I know you have a bunch of them. But how we see and talk about a boss and the nature of being a boss can all change when the boss is a woman. You expected that, of course, because this is Game Changing Women Radio. According to Game Changing Women Radio executive producer and chief learning officer at SAP, Jenny Dearborn, who sponsors the series, she says, trying to navigate organizations from a position of authority can bring out the best and the worst in a woman until we understand why power equity will elude us. Very powerful words, as always, from Jenny Dearborn. So we've got a panel of experts today. They're going to share their boss stories, their firsthand challenges of managing others, and the push for women in high positions, and I'm going to put big fat quotes around high positions, to be beyond perfect. Plus, all of you out there, when people tell stories about you as a boss, if you get to that point in your career, wouldn't you like to ensure those stories are the good ones and not the bad or ugly ones? Of course you would. We'll find out how. First up on our panel, I'm pleased to welcome Caroline Turner. She's the founder of Difference Works. I know she's an attorney, former general counsel for big company. She'll tell us a little more about that later. And Caroline sent me a very timely and topical quote from Madeleine Albright. And here it is. There is a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. Caroline, I want to write that on the side of a wall or crochet it on a pillow somewhere. Have, has everybody already done that except me yet? Welcome, Caroline Turner. How are you? Hi, Bonnie. Nice to be here. Thank you. Talk to me. Interesting quote. Apply it for our topic, please. Well, I think that quote is just a straightforward statement that, in fact, some women don't help other women. Obviously, some do, but some don't. And Madeleine Albright is saying that's a very bad thing. Um, so I work in the, with men and women, and from women, even today in 2015, I hear the worst boss I ever had was a woman because I'm sort of praising the strengths of women and men, and that's what I hear. Or I hear a much more subtle complaint, those women who make it the, up to the top 
don't have a handout for me. They're not supportive of me. Mm-hmm. And from men and women, I hear behaviors that just make my skin crawl when they talk about how women uh, treat each other in the workplace. And I hear things like, why do women backbite? Why do women sabotage each other? What, why, are there, why are women catty about each other? And I want more women at the top, and I think one of the things we can do is be more supportive of other women. And so I actually have written about this topic, and I speak about this topic, because I want us to understand what would make women do those kinds of things so we stop it. Interesting, Caroline. When you speak on this topic... Do you think there are women in the audience who are saying under their breath, not me, not me, no, that's not me, no, that's not me, and they're in denial? Or do you think all of a sudden they're seeing that mirror being held up by you as an expert and saying, oh, dear, I think she's talking about me. It's time for me to change. What do, you, what, do you, uh, what do your insights tell you? What do your instincts tell you about who's in the audience and if they get the message? Caroline? Well, so my point is just what you said, is to hold up the mirror and have that aha. I don't need women to stand up and go into the confessional, but my (laughs) hope is they they reflect. For example, I admit that many years ago I made this statement, I prefer working with men. And when I hear that today, I take it on. Or I say, if you ever hear that or if you ever say that, don't ever say that again. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate that, Caroline. Good introduction to our topic. It's scary out there, and some of us are are experiencing, we know exactly who's making it scary. We have a lot to talk about. Thank you. Let me turn to our second panelist. She's Mary Cosita, K-O-S-I-T-A. She's a global leader of learning and development and a strategic partner for HR technology at the Timken Company. She'll tell us a little bit later about her history at Timken. And here's a quote from, let's see, long attribution here. Marshall Mathers, Louis Edgardo, Jeffrey Bass, sung by Eminem in the song Lose Yourself. Here's the quote. Look, if you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it or let it slip? Welcome, Mary Cosita. How are you today? Good, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Talk to me about interesting choice of quote. I think this is Eminem's first time represented. And we've had a lot of, we've had Bob Dylan quoted, everything from Plato to Socrates to Bill Gates to Steve Jobs to Winston Churchill. And now Eminem is on our show. Very, very interesting. Talk to me, Mary. There you go. Yeah, there's a time for all of us, you know, when the tables start to turn, right? Instead of being just the doer, just the one in the meeting or the person that's just in the crowd to where you become the one, the one others are watching, looking to for guidance and direction and asking, what do you think? What would you do? Uh, this, this can come in one moment, just one chance, each interaction, whether that be at work in a meeting, interacting with your manager, interacting with other colleagues, or at a parent meeting with your kids when they finally say, hey, mom knows what she's talking about, and I need to listen to her. Well, I keep hoping for that one. Uh, (laughs) It's in that one moment, that opportunity where you need to grab it, like one of those, you know, wispy flyers out in the sky in in the summer day, and you think, what would you do with that opportunity? You may not get it back. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you about, you know, I want to share more about recognizing that one chance or that opportunity, whatever those are big or small just not just to show how they impact you for today but you and others for tomorrow and where that one moment can hold you back or even give you one more opportunity and then how to pay it forward 
I like that. And that's your handle on on uh, Twitter, Pay It Forward, at pay it, pay it Forward. Thank you very much. A uh, question for you, Mary, before we move on to our next panelist. Do you think we make it more difficult for women leaders as they aspire to that higher, op- higher opportunity of power, as they aspire to higher leadership roles? Do you think we look at them? I think I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you. Um, we look at them with different eyes. You've talked about that wisp, that little feather or that little cloud of opportunity just past by and you expect a woman to grab it but once she does aren't we putting her under a very scrutinizing and unfair microscope talk to me yeah and you see that in the news every day right whether mm-hmm. it's about your weight how you're dressed you know Thank how you. how well you bounce back and in every instance and so you need we're even the the down players of ourselves right the confidence we lack the confidence at times when you're in these audiences and when you think oh i really want to say something but oh geez i'm just not in the right group i'm not in the right frame of mind and you let it slip and someone else says it Right? You've ever been in that situation. Someone else takes your words, they put it out there, and it wasn't you. And you wish, oh, I wish I would have done that. So, yeah, I think we definitely are our own worst enemies at times. Very, very interesting. I remember years ago when I started, I've been producing cable TV shows here on Long Island uh, that are now online for about 20 years. And I remember one of my neighbors called me after some of my early shows and she said, Bonnie, I really don't like the glasses and I didn't like the color of the pants you wore on the show. And I Mm -hmm. wanted to say to her, Adele. Do you have anything more interesting to say to me? I'm the one on TV bringing timely topics, gathering guests, designing a set, putting myself out there, bringing intelligent conversation, and all you have to do is tell me you didn't like the color of the slacks and you didn't like my glasses. Really? Is that the best you can tell me? Why don't you come to the studio and try? Anyway, that is just a minor case, but for God's sake, enough already. Thank you, Mary. Uh, we have a lot more to talk with you about. Let's turn to our third panelist. She is Jane Miller. And a Apparently, she's really smart because her website is janeknows.com. She's the founder of a career advice website and the author of, and everybody listen to the full title, Sleep Your Way to the Top and Other Myths About Business Success. There, I said it all in one quote. And Jane sent me a wonderful quote from Warren Buffett. Here it is. It takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. If you think about that, you'll do things differently. Jane Miller, welcome. How are you? I'm great, Bonnie. Thanks so much for having me today. It's uh, thrilling to uh, be with such a prestigious group of women. Thank you. Talk to me about your quote. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, I think, especially in the in the discussion around bosses, and I think, and, and bad bosses in particular, I think, in the moment, so many uh, people, whether it's for power or prestige or whatever the reason might be, kind of act differently under pressure than they would uh, maybe in, in different circumstances. And what I've seen in my career is that a lot of people are not thinking about the long-term view mm-hmm. of the world and will people want to work for them again. Uh, they'll actually also forget that uh, most of us that have uh, been CEOs are in bigger positions. You know, you can't do it by yourself. You need to have people that want to work for you. And so much um, about recruiting good people and having people really want to be motivated and do the kind of job that you want is going to be based on what they know about you and your reputation. And it's changing so much now. When I started my career, you wouldn't be able to go online and research everything about Jane Miller like you can today. And I think Mm -hmm. it's especially important that we think about our reputations um, and how we're building that. And everything that we do is um, a building block to something in the future. 
Good point, Jane. And I think there's a word of wisdom there, a, a, a big message of wisdom to very young women, whether they're in their early teens or in college years. Everything you post online, everything everybody tags you on will stay with you. And it can be researched. Am I right on that? You wanted to give a, a shout out to young women and teenagers about their future careers and, and uh, why they need to do things carefully now, Jane? Yeah, absolutely, Bonnie. It's, it is interesting because on my um, career advice website, I'm really targeted at young women who are starting their careers because so many things that you do, you don't realize have longer-term repercussions or what a small world it is in whatever industry you, that you're in. And that doesn't mean you can't make mistakes and not mm-hmm. to be you know, afraid to take chances. I want to really differentiate that because a lot of our learning is about making mistakes and taking chances, but it's doing things um, that are ethical, not doing things that are going to create sort of, as you said in your intro, the bad stories about you that people remember. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, is something that each one of us needs to think about it at all parts of our career. Interesting. You just reminded me of an old Disney song, which comes from a famous ride, Jane, at Disneyland, Disney World. It's a small world after all. Doesn't that take on new meaning when you talk about the social impacts of our reputation? Isn't that, isn't that it? In a microcosm, it's a small world after all? Absolutely, and and since I don't sing, I won't uh, I won't sing that song. But it has, it's got a nice beat. <laughs> I will join. Yeah, it's a small world after there. That's that's it. That's my one at, my one attribution to. Yes, thank you. I brought it up. I sang it. You are guilt free, my friend Jane Miller. Let's circle back to our first panelist, Caroline Turner, founder of Difference Works. And Caroline, I have a very important question to ask you. What are you drinking today? What's in your cup right now? If it's interesting, and if not. What are you planning to drink after the show, and where are you calling from? Well, I'm calling from Denver, Colorado, and when I look out my window, it looks like I'm in the Bay Area because it's misty and cool today in Colorado. And I have a boring drink. I apologize, but I'm drinking water. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. Excuse me? Nothing wrong with that. I love it. Tell me why you drink water. Well, I am rarely without a water bottle. You know, it's just that old thing, hydrate, 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 and I live at a mile high, so we do hydrate a lot. But I carry water bottles with me everywhere, and I leave them everywhere. In fact, my daughter says, Mom, you hemorrhage water bottles. (laughs) But the one I'm drinking out of right now has just survived a six-day trip in Northern California, and I didn't lose it. Well, there you go. That's because you knew you wanted to tell that story here on Game Changing Women Radio, Caroline. Well, so there I was. I wish it were a glass of Sauvignon Blanc from the country I just came from, but it's water. Now we got the rest of the story. I knew if I kept you talking long enough, we'd find out a little more about Caroline. Thank you so much. And you sound very, very sharp and clear now, Caroline. Thank you very Good. much. Perfect, perfect audio. Mary Cosita, where are you calling from and what's in your cup? I'm actually calling from Orlando, Florida today. And uh, in my cup is usually green tea, but not just plain green tea with honey, right? I always need to have the sweeter side um, of everything. And it's a large cup of tea and because I want it to last, and I always want good things to last longer. And I, so I try to get as much out of it as I can, and it's good for me. So there's many benefits, as we all know, from green tea. But I also use that natural sweetener. So I've been doing the same thing for about three years now, and without it, I don't feel like my day is complete. There you go. There's a mantra from Mary Cosita. Mary, any special kind of honey you use as a sweetener? You know, I use one just from my local store, and I actually carry a bottle with me wherever I go. So there's one of my, my, little, uh, my little niches. 
Okay, thank you very much. Local honey can be wonderful. Jane Miller, where are you calling from and what's in your cup today? I am also in Colorado, just um, actually in Boulder, which is just a little bit north of of Denver. And um, I'm going to have... uh, shameless self-promotion here. I uh, actually have a smoothie made out of uh, Proyo frozen yogurt, which is a startup that I just have stepped in as a CEO. And it's an amazing product. It's uh, got 20 grams of protein, and it's uh, delicious. Well, that's very exciting. Is there a special flavor to this smoothie? Any, uh, any fruits and any, any distinctive flavors we should know about? You know, just a little strawberry banana, so nothing too special, but just uh, kind of a nice way to start uh, start the day. Good. Well, congratulations about your new role. And guess what, Caroline Turner? I'm drinking water today, and here's a little secret. They don't let Bonnie have caffeine drinks on SAP radio show days, which means <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. But you'll figure out why as we go through the show. I'm delighted to be speaking with Caroline Turner at Difference Works, Mary Cosita at the Timken Company, and Jane Miller at JaneKnows.com and other places. Our panel today is talking about a very interesting topic, best boss, worst boss, woman boss. And by the time we finish the show, we'll find out where the woman boss part of our topic fits in, best, worst, or is she in a category of her own? We're going to be right back after the break, and we're going to start a 30-minute nonstop roundtable being led off by Caroline Turner. So, Caroline, get ready. I'll be chatting with you on the break about where we're going to start, but I have some great ideas. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Game Changing Women Radio, presented by SAP, and a shout-out to Jenny Dearborn, our sponsor and executive producer. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. For women, the pressure to achieve at work is stronger, the hours longer, and the struggle for respect and authority more complex than ever. You want guidance on how to succeed, and you are not alone. Tune in to hear today's powerful women leaders help you make sense of it all. They will get you thinking about how to manage smarter. They will analyze how you can change the game. And they will share their playbooks on how you can make it happen. Game Changing Women is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. listening to Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game Changing Women. Back and my special panelists today are Caroline Turner, founder of Difference Works, Mary Cosita at the Timken Company, and Jane Miller at JaneKnows.com. Time for the roundtable. We're going to kick it off with Caroline Turner, and I'd like to mention that Caroline is also an author. Her book is called Difference Works, and if you put those two together, that's her Twitter handle, Difference Works, Improving Retention, Productivity, 
and profitability through inclusion, which is perfect for our topic today. Caroline is also former senior VP and general counsel of the Coors Brewing Company. Very interesting background, Ms. Turner. And Caroline is going to start off the roundtable with a couple of the following topics. I'm reading from your notes, Caroline. You say the problem or issue in the workplace with women bosses is we have workplace queen bees. We have gossip. We have cattiness. We have sabotage. We have women putting other women in a double bind. We have woman-on-woman bullying. Oh, my goodness. It sounds like a TV show on a channel I wouldn't watch. Talk to me, Caroline Turner. Let's get started. <laughs> well, let me put that in context, uh, Bonnie. Please. Yeah, lots of women are, treat other women beautifully and are great mentors and are great sponsors. But there remain those problems that, that I reference in the queen bee. And I hear that all the time. The queen bee is a woman who's made it to the top or she's made it into management. And she likes being the only woman or one of very few women. And she does say things like, I like working with men better. And she certainly doesn't put any energy into helping other women join her at that high level because she's comfortable being alone. So that's the queen bee. And Catalyst said a couple of years ago they felt like the queen queen bee syndrome was on the decline. Great. Mm -hmm. I hope it's on the decline, but I still hear about it in my workshops that women make it to the top and then don't reach down, aren't, hap- you know, aren't helpful to other women. And then I also hear that thing about why are women gossipy? Why, do women, why are women catty? Why do women judge other women? So that's the behavior I want to clean up so that we are more supportive of other women and promote women, you know, deserving, qualified women. Caroline, it sounds like this speaks back to your quote from Madeleine Albright. There is a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. But don't help other women seems to me to be one side of the coin. The other side is they punish them, they criticize them, they sabotage them. That's a very powerful double-edged sword, isn't it? Not helping and helping to not succeed. Any uh, comments on that, Caroline? Yeah, I think it is sort of a continuum. And the, Mm -hmm. the mild form is just not helping. And then the bad form, the extreme form, is undermining and keeping women down. And I think it's largely unconscious. I don't think women wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to go sabotage Mary or I'm going to go undermine Jane. I think it comes from unconsciousness. And let me just, here's the punchline. Mm-hmm. Our culture favors masculine. Our culture associates leadership with masculine behaviors. And we grew up in that culture, too. We swim in that water. So we do that, too. So we women will will favor the masculine and align with it and disavow the feminine. And that makes the queen bee and makes us harder on other women. Some people will observe that women are harder on other women, you know, their direct reports. Uh, And maybe that's because our culture favors the masculine and we're harder on the feminine. Interesting observation. Yeah. Some of it is perception. Let me me put this in context, too. When I hear those comments like, here's what women do, as if we all do that, Mm -hmm. we are still, in terms of power, a minority. And minorities get painted with the same brush. One person in the minority misbehaves, and we generalize and say, those people do this. So people say women undermine other women because they've seen 
one or a few women do that. So some of this is exaggerated because we still are in the minority at the top. And there's exaggerated attention to the few women at the top. So it's exaggerated, but it's an exaggeration of something that really does happen. Thank you, Carolyn. While you're speaking, I'm thinking of, of the us versus them mentality. And I guess what you may be saying is when women get to those top positions, they become perceived in their own minds as the us and other women and everybody else is the them. I'm just going to leave that one on the table for a comment for a thought. Mary Cosita, can you please join mm-hmm. us and, and talk about some of the interesting concepts that Caroline has observed? You agree, disagree? What do you see? Well, um, I, I agree in some ways. There's a, there's a couple of ways I disagree. I just want to share my, my experience here. And mm-hmm. I was probably nine years into my career before I had my first woman boss working in a, uh, a male-dominated uh, manufacturing industry, um, as I've done for the last 25 years. You know, having that first woman boss was a new experience. It was a great experience, um, actually. She was a mentor. She was a colleague. Uh, she was someone that I really wanted to look up to, intelligent, assertive, influential, who took control. And I just said, I need to watch, and I need to learn from her. And then when reality hit, when I had my second woman boss, my reality was originally, well, this is going to be a great experience. I'm not going to think anything differently. And then the second woman boss came in, and it was a complete sabotage. And, you know, uh, Caroline mentioned that, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, women wake up in the morning to say, okay, how am I going to be a a bad boss or, you know, try to – sabotage my my female colleagues but i think in this case this particular individual did unfortunately i do think because after i left under her her work and and the work that we were doing together then she picked someone else and at that point in time my colleagues didn't see how she was picking on me until i was no longer part of that scenario and she needed to Mm. find someone else and i think it was a lack of confidence um, in herself that it wasn't me, it wasn't what I was doing. And that's something I always do is point to myself, how can I change this scenario? Yeah. But it was her, and as she was waking up, I believe, every day and, and trying to figure out how she can be that, um, just that person that finds somebody and, and tries to, to find the bad in that person. So this, this first woman boss I had, she was, you know, everything. And actually I was able to work with her two times and um, over the course of my career, and I learned so much from her each time. Thank you very much, Mary. Very interesting. I had a, a woman boss similar to the one you described, the bad one, and I would call her, you know, the, the old phrase, green meanie. Well, I just decided I would call her the pink meanie because she liked to wear a lot of flowered <laughs> dresses. The longer the dress, the more flowers, the more fabric she could put in that dress, the higher she felt on the totem pole of, of power. And she worked uh, every single day at undoing everybody in the company. Men and women, if you worked for her in this big banking company, you were target practice. It didn't matter how long you'd been there, what your gender was. She just came after you with both guns loaded, and she was out to demean you. And it got to be where we all just knew, whoops, she's coming, hide. That was it. And that was a, a absolutely horrible experience, long gone. But it, they leave an imprint, don't they, Mary? We remember those oh. bosses, don't we? Yeah, now that I am a boss, a manager of others, right, I've learned from that. That experience. I didn't quit. It was that was my one opportunity to say, 
hey, you know, I this is not how I want to be treated. I do not want to treat others like this. And we learn something from every every leader, whether it's a something good or positive, or things that you don't know exist, you know, then to the the other side of it where it's like where do you where what am I going to do with this? How can I take this? How can I not quit and and keep moving forward? And the other part of that too is not to burn bridges, right? So like I mentioned my mm-hmm. first female boss became, you know, also my second female boss in a different opportunity. She tasked me to come with her to a um a different role within the the same organization, but that career really helped that really helped shape my career and and leveraging that opportunity that she gave me, but also then learning from that other opportunity. Thank you. Well, the smart ones learn from the opportunity and do better and pay it forward in the best possible way. Jane Miller, want to hear what you have to say. We've got a lot of thoughts here on the table. What do you see? Yeah, yeah, a couple different things. First, I want to um, build on Mary's thought, which I think is just really dead on, this this thought that you just need to learn from every boss that you have. Because I would say that in my career, I have uh, learned more from my bad bosses than I have from my good bosses. Ah. And I think, uh, I think that you actually, you know, sort of create some more of a visceral response when you're working for someone who is treating you in a way that you don't want to be treated. And, and I think related to that, I'd like to say um, what I think is so interesting about this discussion is in my career, I've only had one female boss. Uh, It was a long time ago and she was terrific, but I've had a lot of bad bosses who were men. And I think it was, as we talk about women bosses, I think why they stick out a little bit more is it sounds like all three of us have been in industries where there haven't been as many women leaders is because there's so few of them, they stick out more. But if you were actually to go through the, you know, sort of the list of people that I've had influence me in my career, they, the bosses have, as I said, have mainly been men and there have been many, many that have been, been terrible. So I think the tough thing is, is how do we, not have these few women who are, are hopefully are you know our role models in the company not in companies not be these bad bosses because they 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 stick out just because there's so few of them. Thank you, Jane. Caroline Turner. We had some uh, comments, very interesting comments on the thread that you started for us. You want to comment before I move on? Well, I think Jane nailed it because women stick out because there are few of us, and so. Mm-hmm. Even if there are only a few women bad bosses, it gets generalized and sort of uh, advertised, and we all kind of carry the the blame of that. But I want to I want to make other one other point about this is in by, in biology, in our brain science, in our hormones, women are more comfortable in flatter structures where we're peers, and the hierarchical structure of the business world sort of violates that, and we're unconscious of that. But the truth is people don't like successful women. There's a negative correlation between power and uh, likability for women, positive correlation with men. So there's something about having women be above us that brings out that unlikability, and we get really ready to judge how she's behaving. So I just think that's a factor, too, in why we do see these women bosses or do advertise them or shine the focus light on them. Caroline, sounds like the old phrase, guilt by association. You're a women boss, I don't like you, period. And how do we buck that? How do we turn that around? If that's something you inherit with the role, whether you're a good boss or a not-so-good boss, whether you're a great boss or a mediocre boss or an acceptable boss, if people just don't like you because you have accrued to the power level, 
How do you get around that? Do you have to be super duper nice and sweet and saccharine and give everybody presents? Or do you no. have to just say, well, how do you get around it? What do you do? That sounds uh, like a, a very tall order. It's a delicate balance. In fact, I'm giving a workshop Saturday, and it's called A Delicate Balance. And, and it is. It's like being aware that, no, if I'm nice and hand out candy and be sweet all the time, I will not be associated with leadership because the leadership behaviors require us to be direct and assertive and clear. And so we have to behave in these ways that are masculine, just defined as masculine. Not mm-hmm. I'm not uh, lining up men and masculine. I'm lining up masculine as how we define leadership. So women have to be that way. And there are studies that say that women are rewarded when they can be assertive and directive and dominant, et cetera. But if you overdo it, then you're going to get called that B word because women who are assertive Mm -hmm. tend to be called aggressive. Women who are dominant tend to be called bossy. That's the double bind. So I think the answer is how do you do it is you be aware of it and you're very conscious that you must behave in certain masculine ways to succeed but if you overdo it you're not going to be liked and you have to leverage your feminine as well so i think it's awareness and practice fine line thank you very much for defining that i'm going to move on to a an interesting related topic here mary cosita i'm looking at your notes and something stuck stood out at me i'm not going to sing this one but it's a uh, title of a kelly clarkson song Mm -hmm. what doesn't kill you makes you stronger you know where i was going with that and you say the point here will be that no matter how bad things look today how down how defeated you think you are you need to take the opposite side of what's happening seek support from those who can help you stay true to who you are is your compass, moral and otherwise, and how you want to be perceived, how you handle the situation and set the course. So are we talking about somebody who works for a bad woman boss or the woman boss or both or all of the above? Talk to me, Mary. Yeah, I think it's all of the above, right? It's how you set your values. And you need to set your values. And I think that's something, you know, we need to instill in, in younger uh, women professionals. What are the, what's that value chain or that value compass that you want to set for yourself? Actually list them out. Print them out. Put them in a frame. Put them on your desk. And then when you, you feel like you've got in the situation, how down you feel, how defeated you think you are, you're not sure how you're going to handle this situation, go there for your support. Get your foundation. Get that grounded for yourself and stay true. Stay true to how you want to be perceived, how you want to handle the situation. And then when you have that consistency, that then drives your ability to lead. And you're not wavering from that. You have something that brings you back. And to get moving away and starting to get in into subjectivity and emotion, enter into the picture. It doesn't matter, you know, how high a level you are in the organization, you'll lose. You, you've, you've lost that, that battle when you start to, you know, um, beat other people down or you, you start to move away from that foundation, you'll, you'll lose that, that fight. Thank you. Jane Miller, thoughts? Yeah, actually, uh, what, what comes to mind as Mary says that is the importance of the foundation, as she said, which I think is terrific. But I'd add to that and say that I think every one of us, and especially someone who's starting their career, needs to have their own personal advisory board of people that they can go to and get advice uh, that they're not trying to make decisions on their own. Because a lot of what I've seen with women um, and men in business is that you get into a situation that is negative or you're kind of beaten down 
down and you get sort of the circular thinking where you can't sort of see out of it. And I think if you have a, a, a small group of people that you depend on, that you can count on, that you can run ideas by, that you don't feel like you have to do it on your own, I mean, I think that's one of the, the big downfalls of a lot of the women types that, you know, Caroline was talking about is that there's a sort of sense that you have to be a superhero, that you have to do it all on your own. And I think it's the, one of the biggest myths about success in business is this, this thought that you have to um, be superwoman as opposed to having an advisory board or having a network of people that can really support you. So when you have these tough times, which we all do and all will, that you can, you know, rebound out of them and learn from them. Thank you, Jane. Caroline Turner, join us. Thoughts? Yeah, that's great. I think what we're talking about is how do women succeed in this business world and remain authentic, you know, tied to that true north or that foundation. And I love Jane's thought about a personal advisory board. If we're just hanging out with ourselves, we're breathing our own exhaust, and and we need to bring in somebody else's thinking. That's a good one. Thank you very much. Uh, Mary, anything to tie up this topic before I move on to something from Jane's notes? Yeah, I, I think what they both said is that, you know, you have your safe group, right? Who's mm-hmm. that safety zone that, that you can, without filters, you can vent, you can share your thoughts, you can get their thoughts and opinions, and then, then you move forward, right? Get it, figure out your action plan, but don't dwell on it. Thank you very much. Jane Miller, I'm looking at your notes here, and something is standing out here. You say, learn from everyone you interact with, good, bad, or ugly. Can you share with us the ugly that happened in here? I see something, a seminal moment in your career. You want to talk about that? Yeah, and, and um, it's, it was not with, uh, wasn't with a woman boss, but I think the, yeah. uh, the story would, uh, would be applicable. And I was uh, an executive, a kind of a, a junior executive at um, a large uh, food company about 20-some years ago, and I was uh, getting ready to give a big presentation, and it was sort of the annual um, operating plan of a business. And for anyone who's worked for a big company, what you know is as a junior person, you don't present to the president and to a very senior group of people without having many levels of management uh, approve what you're going to present. And so it, literally it's more of, a, you know, more of a show than anything else because everything's been approved. And so I was in the situation where I was going to be presenting the annual operating plan for um, a brand called Mountain Dew. And uh, just as a quick background on it, Mountain Dew at the time, um, was um, had been declining, and uh, the soft drink category had been flat. And so my presentation, the first slide that I was going to present, was basically would say that hey, in, in the upcoming year, Mountain Dew is going to grow at 15%. Now, with that, I thought that I would probably have standing ovation, round of applause, uh, you know, that it would be just an amazing sort of statement about Mountain Dew. Instead, in the uh, after the first uh, slide of uh, about a 60 uh, minute and 60 slide presentation the most senior person in the room said in front of the 30 people that were all there uh, this exact quote how can you look yourself in the mirror with a number like that as soon as we leave this meeting i'm going to find someone who can sign up for bigger growth and is going to i'm going to replace you oh 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 be still yeah. my heart I know, I know, and I was, you know, quite, you know, young in my career, and again, it was um, this really sort of surprising thing, and if anyone's been in that situation, you know, mm-hmm. you, your, your, your breath is taken away, but you still have to present for the next hour <laughs> and then go through the presentation. Yeah. Uh, so the, the quick end of the story was um, that in this particular environment, um, a couple things happened. 
one, this guy the, wanted to make sure that I was tough enough to survive in this, was, in this environment, and this was part of the test. And right. the second part was that nobody stood up for me in the meeting. Um, because they knew that if they said anything, they would sort of be flayed alive. And, and I think the key point that I'd like to share uh, about this particular story, and it goes back to some of the, the, the comments earlier about how you learn from bosses, is that I learned something that absolutely has catapulted my career, which is I learned in that meeting that I would never go into a meeting as a boss and not support my team. And it has been a fundamental learning from that that has changed, I think, the course of my career because I, I do believe I'm someone that people want to work for because they know I have their back. Wow, wow. And, and you, when you started telling this story I asked you to share, Jane, you said it wasn't about a woman boss, but it certainly is about a woman in a position of climbing the ladder, we used to use that phrase, uh, and becoming a boss, and that was part of your training. I have a question for you. Please don't be offended by it, but were you tempted to cry when he said that to you? Because we see it on TV and in all kinds of shows from Shark Tank to everywhere else. You say something negative to a woman in a public setting, and instantly she cries. I don't know whether that's a built-in reflex reaction that we have from birth or anybody, Jane, Mary, uh, Caroline, anybody? Well, first of all, did you cry, Jane? And, and if not, how did you hold it back? Um, I did not cry in the moment. I did want to cry. I mean, at that part of my career, it's interesting. I um, cried about a lot of things. I took everything super personally, and I wanted, mm-hmm. I wanted to cry. But I think I, you know, was able to hold my um, my uh, my feelings and got through the presentation. And then I ran to the nearest stairwell and cried my eyes out. I went down to the fitness center and took a shower so I could sort of, you know, rinse the stench of the meeting off of me. But my yes, oh. my initial reaction was to cry. Thank you. I, I'm glad you weren't offended by my mm-hmm. question, but it was a human question, and I think we would all, all be there. Caroline Turner, did you expect her to say that she went in a stairwell and cried? Absolutely, and it's yes. real. There are physiological yes. differences in the tearing yes. mechanisms of men and women. Women cry more, and part of it is cultural. Boys are taught not to cry, but I've been in those tense situations when I've <clears throat> been slapped in the face by <clears throat> a critical boss, taken it personally and wanted to cry and had to sit there, you know, like digging my fingernails into my thumb so I would be in pain so I wouldn't cry about the comment. But I advise women, you know, to learn to deal, excuse me, to -hmm. deal with this mechanism because it is a reflex and that when we want to cry, the best thing to do is to call a timeout with a calm voice. I don't think I can talk about this right now. I'd, I would like to come back and finish it later and then go to the stairwell and do just what you <laughs> <laughs> Mary Casita, comments, crying, yes, no, maybe? Oh, my gosh. Um, so here's yeah. what I do. And my situation was when I had um, a similar situation where my boss was actually tearing me down in, in front of my peers after my colleague and I had presented to her everything we were going to say, what we were going to do, the process. We go into the meeting with our peers, and she tears it apart and I'm looking at my colleague and she's looking at me like what just happened and from that moment forward we sat next to each other in every meeting she always wore the same sweater and each time I would sit in there with her I would start I would start to shake with this manager and it wasn't crying but I would just get these like start just nervous shaking anytime I was in the room mm-hmm. with her and so my colleague would sit next to me and she wore this sweater and every time we had it I'd grab a hold of it under the table it was like my security blanket just to get through the meeting sometimes 
Wow. I, I think we've all had those triggers. Thank you, ladies. I wasn't planning on talking about the feminine crying reflex, but it certainly seemed to open up some interesting stories. Um, Jane, I'm looking. We have a few more minutes, actually 12 minutes left till the end of the show, and, and uh, we have need to have time for the predictions. But, Jane, I found something else very interesting here in your notes that I, I believe needs to be addressed. You say, flex your style and you will learn to be heard. And let me read the second note here underneath. You say, when I transferred to a division that was more formal, and you had originally started in a more laid-back culture at this company, when you transferred to a division that was more formal, you say, my style was viewed as unprofessional. I was sent for three days to work with a psychologist one-on-one so I could work on my style. Jane, the same thing happened to me when I I worked at a major bank as a marketing manager in Manhattan, down in, uh, well, about a block from what used to be the World Trade Center. And uh, I was told that they didn't like the jackets I was wearing, that how dare I wear a silk scarf in my hair rather than around my neck, and that they wanted to send me for makeover training. And I was the first one on the floor every morning. I was one of the last ones to leave. I work my buns off on doing global marketing and creating and inventing and you name it. I was always there, always on. And somebody said, we don't like the way she's dressing. And I dressed beautifully every day. So been there, done that. Jane, tell me a little bit about your experience. What did the psychologist say to you? Well, what was was really interesting was, uh, again, this was another kind of pivotal moment in my career Mm -hmm. because my style is very kind of high energy and when I was young, kind of high bubbly. And and that came across as unprofessional. And what he shared with me was to really understand um, who is your audience. And this sounds quite simple, but a lot of people kind of miss it, especially when you're young because you're so into sort of your own style and trying to get your own message across. And, And the very simple thing that I learned was I didn't have to become a different person. I just needed to flex my style when I was around someone who was different than myself. And so in this particular environment, the um, environment was very, very professional, Um, didn't want any small talk, didn't want to hear about my dogs or what I did on the weekend, wanted to just hear about the project at hand. And so the big learning for me was that I could be who I was, but I needed to represent it in a different way when I was meeting with senior management. And, And the way I like to characterize it is I was speaking French, and the senior management at this company was speaking German. And the more that I spoke French the less that they listened to me. And as soon as I learned how to speak German, I was able to communicate. And it was really a really important important breakthrough in my career. Good metaphor. Thank you very much. Uh, Caroline Turner, thoughts on what Jane just shared? Interesting. Uh, Jane, I want your permission to use that story in my workshops. Ah. (laughs) I actually do believe all of us, but women in particular, have to learn to shift our style. And again, I use the uh, the terms masculine and feminine. And so, some environments, we simply must be speak in a masculine way. And in other circumstances, we do much better if we speak in a feminine way. I say we have to be bilingual. Deborah Tannen says there are two forms of speech: report talk and rapport talk. I I call call those masculine and feminine. And and it is that skill of reading the situation and reading the audience, and simply shifting without losing yourself, remaining true to yourself, and knowing that you're giving a version of yourself not to be inauthentic, but to be heard, to be effective. And uh, that's a beautiful story, Jane. 
I'm so glad you like that, Carolyn. We never know what's going to unfold here on our conversations on Game Changers Radio. I'm so pleased. Mary Cosita, any thoughts? Have you ever been what I call taken out behind the side of the barn and told that you're not dressing right or you're not speaking right or your culture doesn't match? What do you see? Well, what, I, what I've been told is, you know, don't say it like that. Say it like this. And they want me to use, you know, the other person's words and the other way of saying it, you know. And I finally learned, you know, I'm not you. I don't have your thoughts. I don't have your thought process. I don't, you know, I can't speak like you do. I'm going to say it my way. And as soon as you realize that you have your own way, your own style, your own way of addressing situations and working through issues, then the more confident you become in that, and then you're able to handle those situations. You know, you're always going to have that one person or that one boss that's going to make you tilt your head and just think about, you know, the way they're approaching and dealing with the situation. And, and you know, Stephen Covey's first habit of highly effective people, right, seek first to understand, then be understood. So learning out your opinions before you have all the facts and, and understanding all the picture, you know, all the information first won't get you, um, won't come across in an effective manner. So, you know, take that opportunity where you know what you know, say it like you, you would say it and, you know, appreciate what they're telling you, appreciate the feedback that they're giving you, but make it yours. Thank you very much. Caroline Turner, before we go into the predictions round, which has to start in the next two minutes, I have one topic left here that I really would like you to chat about just for a moment. The topic is women in competition. You say scarcity breeds scarcity. You want to just describe that phenomenon, please? Yeah, I think the fact there are few women at the top uh, legitimately makes us think, well, if she gets promoted, that's one less promotion for me. So there's this scarcity thing that comes out of that. But let me tell you some sad news. There was a research study that's about to come out, but I read a a prelim of it that says most of the biggest companies in the U.S. have one woman at the sea level. And those who have one woman at the sea level have a 51% greater, wait, let me say it backwards, having a second woman is much, much harder when you already have one up there, not easier, harder, because there's this thing called implicit quotas. Like, well, I've already got my woman C-level person. I don't need another mm-hmm. one. That is bad, but it breeds this sense of scarcity. So when a woman gets promoted, we feel like our own odds went down. And I want to say that's not true, but this research says it may be true. Interesting. Very difficult to embrace, but reality. Okay, let's move quickly into our predictions round. I've got six minutes left. I'm going to give you each 90 seconds. Try to stick to it, please. Caroline Turner at Difference Works. I would like you to fast forward, look in the crystal ball. Can you go to the year 2020 or how far in the future can you see what will be different about this conversation if we met again? And I hope we do. Best boss, worst boss, woman boss, 90 seconds, predictions, Caroline Turner, go. Well, let me go out 20 years. We will okay. have more women at the top. There are only now 5% women CEOs in the, in the S&P 500. I think in the next 10 years or 20 years, we'll have, we'll, our percentage will continue to creep up and we'll be at 10, maybe 15. My vision is much bigger than that. I want a business world that has 40 to 50% women CEOs. Uh, despite those implicit quotas I told you about, that, that that's still my hope. Um, I worry about gender bias. Women don't fit the picture of leadership. The, we get caught up in the unconscious gender bias. But millennials 
are less biased. Millennials have more balance about men and women. And as they come into power, I believe we will see more women at the top. And, oh, by the way, that's good for business. That's not just good for women. (coughs) And gender diversity at the top is correlated with much better financial returns. Thank you. I've heard that on other shows, and I'm glad that you brought that up. Let's turn to Mary Cosita, the Timken Company. Predictions, 90 seconds. Mary, go. So our, our daughters, and for some of us, our granddaughters, and in particular, I know I have two teenage daughters, and this, this will be hold true for them. You know, they'll be solidly in the workforce or finishing college or in part of college, and the areas of social media will have an even greater influence on their lives, positive or negative, and we need to help them understand how that will make a difference. How can we educate and teach our daughters and granddaughters to recognize their one opportunity, help them capture that, and, you know, as it may, it'll come in very different ways for each of them and that, you know, we have um, leveraging our traditional experiences, but how do we take those and share those with our daughters and our granddaughters and our nieces and, and our, our friends' daughters and help them capture it and not let it slip away? Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And let's turn to Jane Miller. Jane, I can give you a full 90 seconds, actually almost two minutes, because your colleagues on the panel were so concise. So go ahead, Jane Miller. Great, thanks. You know, I I agree with both Caroline and Mary and just want to add that I think what I would like to see as we draw the clock forward is that women have the kind of confidence that they don't have to be someone else, that they don't have to work in an environment where they have a bad boss, that they have options and choices. And I think that there are so many times today where women feel like they are limited, that they don't have the same opportunities. And I think Caroline said it exactly right about thinking about the scarcity of jobs. And what I would hope for in the future is that we would have an environment where women don't tolerate anything other than being in an environment where they can grow and that they get the kind of feedback that's going to really um, help them do that. And so, you know, that they can learn as I've had the chance to learn in my career. So the world that I'd like to see for the, for the daughters and granddaughters that Mary said is one where you feel like you have options, that you feel like you are in control. And you get that but I, by, I think, knowing that you, that you have choices, that you don't have to work for a company that doesn't respect women, and you don't have to work in an organization where people are not treating people in the right way. And uh, to me, that would be my wish for the future, that we would create that kind of environment where there's more choice, more options, and more confidence. Thank you very much, Jane. I have a quick bonus question, and it's a yes or no answer from each of you, starting with Caroline Turner. Same question for all. Do you think that women entrepreneurs will change the landscape in terms of women in positions of power because the opportunity to start their own company and do it right and inclusion and diversity and respect for both genders, all genders, will trickle up into the bigger companies, and there will be some lessons learned there? Caroline Turner, yes or no? Yes. Okay, Mary Cosita. Yes. Oh, Jane Miller. Yes. Okay, that was an enthusiastic one. Thank you very much. I want to thank Caroline Turner at Difference Works, Mary Cosita at the Timken Company, Jane Miller at JaneKnows.com. Great panel. I really appreciate all your preparation, ladies, and coming to the table with insights and so much honesty. Really appreciate that. Shout out, of course, to our executive producer, Jenny Dearborn, probably in Orlando at Sapphire now, I'm guessing, and Liz Krell on her team, and Brad and the business channel team here at World Talk Radio. I appreciate that very much. I'll be back tomorrow with a live edition of 
Coffee Break with Game Changers, our topic tomorrow, May 6th. Is it already? Really? Uh, today, Cinco de Mayo. Plus one is May 6th. Yes, Bonnie. We'll be talking about the first of two-part mini-series on small business success. How important are partnerships to your small business? Speaking of small business, here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another live edition of Game Changing Women Radio, presented by SAP. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.